Welcome to Defiant Health Radio, a place where you can count on hearing about the truth in health, including new ideas and new practices that can take your health to the next level. I also cover basic health issues, not health care issues, because my view is that modern healthcare is largely a failure, a failure to provide genuine health. So I, shall, I will be discussing basic issues such as natural ways to reverse type 2 diabetes, losing weight without limiting calories, why cholesterol is a waste of your time and money, how to reverse common conditions such as fatty liver, and many other topics all designed to empower you in your health. I'm your host, Dr. William Davis, cardiologist and author of the Wheat Belly and Undoctored Books. We're going to be hearing some unusual and provocative strategies in, in these podcasts, but you'll find them to be effective and safe. That's what this is all based on. Now, this episode of Defiant Health Radio is uh, the topic I call, you don't have to be a type 2 diabetic. You know, there are 34 million type 2 diabetics in the U.S. There are 88 million pre-diabetics. There's a lot of misunderstandings and misconceptions surrounding diabetes. And when I say diabetes, I'm only referring to type 2. Type 1 is a whole other issue. But type 2 diabetes and pre-diabetes. There's a lot of catchphrases or things people say and doctors tell you that are simply not true. For instance, the 88 million people, the one out of three adults who have pre-diabetes. Pre-diabetes is often regarded. You're told that it's a benign condition. You're not, you don't have diabetes yet. That's not true. In fact, cardiovascular death, the risk for cardiovascular death is 300% higher than the average person. This And death is not a benign condition, right? So that alone is a major issue. And people with pre-diabetes we can develop many of the complications of diabetes a full-blown type 2 diabetes. It just takes longer. But you can still have cataracts. You can still have kidney disease and hypertension and stroke and heart disease. And so don't be falsely lulled when the doctor says, oh, you're pre-diabetic. You don't need insulin yet or you don't need some other drugs. Likewise, people will say it will be told things like, oh, you have diet-controlled type 2 diabetes. There is no such thing as diet-controlled diabetes. You either have it or you don't have it. So if you have blood sugars that are not wildly out of control because of some changes you made in your diet, you are still every bit as prone to kidney failure, stroke, heart disease, peripheral vascular disease, amputations, gastroparesis, and all the accelerated dementia, all the things that people with diabetes have. So just because you think you're diet controlled does not mean you are uh, freed of all the long-term complications. And if you have type 2 diabetes, you can shave as much as 8 to 10 years off your life. And your life towards the last few years is unpleasant because it's filled with all kinds of procedures like heart disease procedures, like bypass surgery, stents, stroke, kidney failure, dialysis, amputations. And so this idea that you can control this disease with medication is completely false. So if we have someone with type 2 diabetes and they're taking, for instance, metformin, and bieta injections, and maybe insulin injections. Are you freed of all the long-term complications of diabetes? Absolutely not. You are still very prone to all those nasty complications. But the, tr the real tragedy here is that the diet you're given, the American Diabetes Association diet or some related diet, does not get rid of diabetes. At the very least, it might have a trivial effect on reducing blood sugar and hemoglobin A1c, that long-term measure of blood sugar. So let's talk about what you can do to not be a diabetic. 
type 2 diabetic. Now, this works for the majority. There's a small number of people, maybe as many as 5% of people who have full-blown diabetes who cannot undo it. That's because some people have damaged their pancreases, their pancreatic beta cells, and lost 30, 50, 70%, something like that, of their pancreatic beta cells, and they're not good at regenerating. So uh, you'll know you had that situation if you do everything right, lose weight, change diet, etc., and you're still left with high blood sugars, that kind of tells you that you've done damage, in which case, at least you've minimized your reliance on medication. So the majority of people in that small 5% of people who failed to reverse type 2 diabetes may stay on a drug like metformin alone, but rarely have to do more than that. But the majority of people are able to. If you commit yourself to this process, you are able to get rid of diabetes, type 2 diabetes. You know, I was a type 2 diabetic. 25 years ago, I made the mistake. Uh, I talked about this in a prior podcast. I made the mistake of following the Ornish program, which is a very low-fat, strict low-fat diet and vegetarian. So no added meats, no oils, no butter, no olive oil, just uh, whole grains, fruits, and vegetables. And it made me a type 2 diabetic with fasting blood sugars of 160 well, I went off that program. I promptly became a non-diabetic, and now I have perfect blood sugars, perfect hemoglobin A1C below 5%, uh, on no drugs, on no drugs. So now, I tell you these things not because of my own personal experience only, but the experience of many, many people I've done this with who are no longer diabetic, even after having type 2 diabetes for a number of years. <clears throat> there are three principles. There are three principles you need to know about on your journey to become a non-type 2 diabetic. Lesson number one, stop eating foods that raise blood sugar. What foods are those? Carbohydrates, but the most offensive of all are all grains and sugars. So grains would be wheat, of course, oats, rice, millet, sorghum, um, uh, corn. Those are all grains, seeds of grasses, and they all have a carbohydrate called amylopectin A. We call amylopectin A the super carbohydrate because it raises blood sugar sky high. If you look at a table of glycemic indexes in, in a nutrition book or online, you'll see that among the highest glycemic indexes is that of whole wheat. It's higher than table sugar. Yet we're told to eat Lots of uh, whole grains, right? Healthy whole grains. That is nonsense. It makes you a diabetic. Why do they tell you to eat more healthy whole grains? Because they misinterpreted the, the low-quality science. The science, the epidemiologic observations tell us that if you replace something bad with something less bad, and there's an apparent benefit, you therefore eat a lot of the less bad thing. In other words, what they're telling you is if you replace white flour products with whole grain products, and there's an apparent reduction in cardiovascular disease, type 2 diabetes, overweight, and colon cancer, then eating a whole bunch of the whole grains must therefore be good. But if we look at the studies in which grains were removed entirely, you'll see there's dramatic reductions in blood sugar and diabetes and hemoglobin A1C. So if you want to not be a diabetic, don't eat foods that raise blood sugar. That is carbs. And what we do in my programs, in my wheat belly programs, my undoctored programs, uh, is we limit net carbs to 15 grams or less per meal. Net carbs, a very simple thing. You just got to calculate how many active carbs there are. That is, carbs that are converted to sugar, but not the fiber. In other words, if you look at a nutritional panel, 
they label fiber as a carbohydrate. So you can subtract that fiber. So if it was a uh, medium-sized ripe banana, look it up in your app, in your nutritional app, or a, a website that has nutritional data, uh, or uh, maybe you have a carb counter handbook, any, any of those things will do. Look up a 7-inch medium-sized ripe banana. You'll see it has 27 grams total carbs, 3 grams fiber. So 27 minus 3, 24 net carbs. Well, that's enough to raise blood sugar sky high. So we do not eat a full ripe banana. We're limiting ourselves to 15 grams net carbs per meal. But the most important rule is to ban all wheat and grains from your diet as well as sugars. And sugars in all its forms. Sucrose, table sugar, fructose, high fructose, corn syrup, and other sugars. Lesson number two is that we need to address the common nutrient deficiencies in modern people. So you drink filtered water. Well, water filtration removes all magnesium, and magnesium plays a major role in determining your insulin and sugar responses, as well as blood pressure and other factors. Uh, If you live a modern life, and much of your life is conducted indoors, and or you wear clothes outside that cover a lot of the body's surface area, or if you're over age 40, Uh, you don't get enough vitamin D. So we supplement vitamin D. Uh, Most people don't get enough iodine because they're not eating seafood or seaweed uh, with regularity. That's where iodine comes from. All iodine's in the ocean. And most people have cut back on their salt use, which is a whole nother conversation. (laughs) We don't limit salt either, but that's a different conversation for another time. Uh, So they're not getting uh, iodine from their iodized salt. So we supplement iodine. And then lastly, we supplement omega-3 fatty acids because... Uh, it's hard to eat a lot of fish nowadays because of mercury and cadmium uh, com- exposure. When we do that, so we eat fish once, twice a week to get some omega-3 fatty acids and then make up the deficit with a purified supplement. So those four nutrients lacking in a modern diet for most people, when combined, hugely reverse insulin resistance. Insulin resistance is the process that drives prediabetes and type 2 diabetes, as well as heart disease risk, risk for dementia. You've heard that Alzheimer's dementia is often called type 3 diabetes. It's because the brain is resistant to its own, to, to the body's insulin. And that's why if we take uh, the blood of someone who's young and slender and active and does not have insulin resistance, their blood insulin level, fasting, will be something like 1 or 2 or 3 micro units per liter. If we take somebody who's overweight and insulin resistant, their blood level can be 30, 70, 90 microunits per liter. In other words, not 10% worse. It's not 100% worse. It's many, many, many times worse. That high insulin causes weight gain. It increases your risk for stroke and heart attack and all those other health conditions. So we're going to address the nutrients that influence insulin resistance and add those nutrients, and insulin resistance recedes. And then lastly, the last thing we do is we address the microbiome. That's perhaps the more complicated thing we do. We start by removing factors that disrupt the microbiome. So we filter our drinking water because chlorine disrupts the mucus barrier. We uh, avoid emulsifying agents like polysorbate 80, carboxymethylcellulose, and carrageenan in processed foods. We avoid synthetic sweeteners, aspartame, saccharin, sucralose. Natural sweeteners are okay. Natural non-caloric sweeteners. Another topic, but we use things like stevia, monk fruit, and allulose. Uh, 
Uh, and then we also try to get off drugs, uh, prescription drugs, especially stomach acid blocking drugs like protonics and Asifex and non-steroidal anti-inflammatory drugs like ibuprofen and naproxen and statin drugs because all these drugs hugely disrupt the intestinal, the composition of the intestinal microbiome. We also introduce, at least in the beginning, a high-potency multi-species probiotic every day. We try to include at least one fermented food in our daily routine. It could be kimchi, could be kombucha, could be fermented sauerkraut, uh, fermented pickles, and you can make these yourself. You don't have to buy them, or you can buy them for convenience. And lastly, we add prebiotic fibers. Prebiotic fibers and related compounds are the things that feed microbes. So you'll find lists of these prebiotic fibers in my Wheat Belly blog, in my Wheat Belly books, in my undoctored books. But it comes from things like legumes, like black beans, white beans, chickpeas, peas, um, jicama, uh, asparagus, uh, root vegetables, garlic, onions. You can buy them as commercial powders like inulin and um Acacia fiber also, we try to build up to 20 grams per day or more because it feeds bacteria. Uh, now that's a start. There's more you can do. But those three principles are crucial if you want to become a non-diabetic. Stop eating foods that raise blood sugar, grains and sugars, and cap your net carbs at 15 grams per meal or less. Address the nutrients, vitamin D, iodine, magnesium, omega-3 fatty acids that are lacking in a modern life, not from the diet, but for modern life, and uh, when restored, help you regain insulin sensitivity and your blood sugar drops. And then lastly, take efforts to address the microbiome. Now, there's an additional issue here. One in three Americans, by my estimation, also have a condition called small intestinal bacterial overgrowth, or SIBO. That's a situation where unhealthy microbes in the colon have proliferated, outmuscled healthy species, and then ascended up into the ileum, jejunum, duodenum, and stomach. Now that's trillions of bacteria, trillions of unhealthy bacteria turning over with uh, rapidly. When they die, they release their byproducts. Some of it gets in your bloodstream, and that is called endotoxemia. And endotoxemia is a major driver of insulin resistance. Now, if that, if you think that applies to you, take a look at my discussions. I'll have more discussions about this in this podcast. Uh, in future episodes, we'll also you'll find conversations about SIBO in my Wheat Belly blog. You can have face-to-face conversation with me in my Undoctored Inner Circle membership website. I also have a book coming out in 2022 called Super Gut. It has full details on how we manage SIBO. But in, in the meantime, in the Undoctored Inner Circle, we manage SIBO. I show you how to do it at home, on your own, in the comfort of your living room or kitchen, and we've had great success. Thanks for listening. 